Luke 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For, all, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. And so they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. Jesus, we pray today that you will draw close to us. And that you will open our eyes and our hearts in a way maybe they've never been opened before to see you as you really are and to see ourselves with you as we really can be. that never again will we have to try and build up enthusiasm for you. But because you live in us, we will be drawn by your love into a life that is passionately following you and proclaiming you in the most naturally supernatural way. We pray, Jesus, that today you will break through in many of our lives and hearts and take us into a new place. And that place is full of life and joy, full of power and hope. And to that end we pray in your name. Amen. So you're full of excitement and anticipation this morning, right? Imagine... Um, or maybe I'll start here I, I was recently at a, at a, at a service it was a, it was a formal service and, and I was sitting at the back and people were walking in and they were all in suits or lots of them were dressed up you know like people do when they're going to church and they're not used to going to church and they dress up quite smartly and, and it's all very polite and it's all very you know um, formal and, and we went through the service and it was all very polite and very formal. And that was all I think those people knew. But I was thinking about how I would feel as if, if I were God and if I were the Father. And I was thinking about what, it would, what it's like in a home. And you know, that moment where maybe you've entertained guests and they've gone. 
and uh, you kind of kick off your shoes and you go, phew. And, or, or maybe it's a Christmas and you, you're a functioning family and you'll get on. And, and it's fun. And you, you're all together and, you know, there's, there's no formality. The, the picture I have of, and I'm not speaking with my sort of prejudice about ties or something, but the picture I have of business suits and ties is formality. I need to impress you, I need to make sure I'm dressed right and all that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the picture I have of a family where people are relaxed with each other and love each other and are accepting of each other is informality. And there's a place where, if you like to use the words, you can let your hair down or you can just be who you are and you don't have to put up any show. And as I was sitting in this place looking at the people, I felt incredibly sad. Because I think the model of Jesus and the what Jesus came to share with us was to say, you know, in my father's house, I don't want people to feel formal. I don't want people to feel they have to dress up. I want people to relax and to be comfortable and to enjoy the occasion. And I believe that God is desperately trying all over the world in different ways to get that message through to his people. To say, come to me and hang out with me. And please don't try and impress me because you don't. You don't impress me any more than your children impress You can't earn my love. You can only be part of it. And what I want to talk about this morning is entering into the love of the Father and intimacy. Imagine if I were able to say today, uh, Jesus is going to be visibly present here right now. And Jesus appeared and stood by my side. What would happen in this place? Would there be a change of vibe? Would there be a change in your spirit? Would there be a heightened expectancy? Would there be a terrified, oh my? What would happen in your heart if Jesus just suddenly right appeared now? Because to you, I want to share with you that that is a clue probably as to what God wants us to be expecting every week. You see, He has promised that He is present. And we've lost a sense, I think, of His immediate presence. And so we talk as if He weren't in the room. And I want to think this morning about just how Jesus uh, called His disciples and how He, he works. Because I... I'm sure many of you would agree, but I, I, I'm convinced that, that the presence of Jesus among us is meant to be fun and powerful and life-changing and something you wouldn't miss. Sometime, something you would go to bed early for on Saturday so that you could be here. I mean that really, really seriously. The more passionate and the more infectious and enthusiastic the Christians are, the more the people who don't know Jesus will go, I want some of that. And I believe... What I'm, what I'm going to speak about this morning and we're going to listen to is, is about a heart-to-heart with God. Not a heart-to-head. Because I think many in our culture particularly are trying to get into follow God head first and it doesn't work. 
Now, I can boast to you, I mean, I could say to you, you know, I, I, I could, I don't actually, I don't think I've ever said this, but I mean, you know, I've got a Bachelor of Arts degree from Cape Town University. I've got a um, Certificate of Theology from Oxford University, one of the best name drops in the world. I've got a Bachelor of Divinity Honours degree from London University, one of the best uh, degrees in the world for theology. I've got a Master's of Leadership and Training Education degree from Royal Roads. I've got counselling certificates. At least nine years of full-time studying. That's impressive, isn't it? You know how much it means? Really? I used to think early on in my life as a Christian that because I had a sense of the Lord's Spirit that if I could get educated then I would be able to persuade people and teach people how to become Christian and they would be, you know, it would be helpful. But in all my experience, there are very, very, very few people who follow Jesus because they were talked into the kingdom. I am an absolute believer in, in pursuing education. I think it's, it's very, very helpful. But I think the reason for pursuing education for me is a byproduct, which is you build your own self-esteem, you build confidence in your ability to think, you learn how to talk, you learn how to argue, you learn how to debate, you learn how to defend things. You learn how to think through things. So the, the byproduct of education is almost more important, I think, than the actual stuff you learn. And I'm saying all that because I'm not putting that aside and saying it's irrelevant, but I don't think it's what actually... I mean, all these people have been married for so long. Did you sit down and interview each other intellectually, or did you just go, hmm, like her? You know, how much was the intellect and how much was it the heart? How much was it uh, sitting down and having deep conversations? There are people who do connect like that. Very few, I think. Um, but it's, it's more... It's, there you are. David's getting all romantic now. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Megan owes me one. <laughs> Hallelujah, Jesus! Um, but it's not, and you know, it's, it's both and, but I think for most of us, uh, we're pretty emotionally deprived when it comes to God. And, and I want to encourage us in that area to allow God to speak in our hearts and work in our hearts. And we'll, 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 we'll go through that by looking at uh, Luke chapter 4 and 5 quickly. Because I've got a really cool testimony from a girl we met or we saw in, in, in uh, Bethel in Reading. Uh, later on that's, that I think you're going to be very touched by and uh, just uh, let you know, you know there's something better to come this is the uh, time where Jesus has he stood up in the synagogue and he said today this is fulfilled and he's basically said I am now, he, he's now embarking on his ministry which is uh, beginning to do works of healing and teaching in the Capernaum uh, Galilee region and then up in Jerusalem so he starts in the synagogue by reading the scripture and says today this is fulfilled. And it's very important that actually it's, it starts in the synagogue, it starts in the place of traditional worship and he says today this word is fulfilled and they don't know what to do with it. Because he's the carpenter's son, he's not the guy that they expected the Messiah to be. So the first thing I see, and I'm just going to comment as we go through this, the first thing I see is that God is very unpredictable in some ways. And he continually shatters my preconceptions of how he should work. 
It was to them as offensive as if I or Dave or Brad particularly stood up and said, I am the Son of God. Julia would freak. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you know, we keep thinking it wouldn't be us. How does God work today? Because we have so many preconditions that we say, well, God, this, this, and this. At the end of the day, he's walked by and we missed him. And so God, Jesus speaks up in, in the synagogue and the people, verse 20, I'm just skimming this very quickly, in Luke 4, 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious. And they drove him out and they wanted to kill him right there and then. Even for saying something. Verse 31, he went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, on the Sabbath began to teach the people and they were amazed at his teaching because his, his message had authority. When Jesus stood up, stood up and spoke, speaking to a people who had spent their whole lives in the synagogue and with the Pharisees and with the leaders, when he stood up and spoke, something happened in them, something moved in them, something struck a chord with them that they said, this man has authority. Or as, as uh, actually Bill Johnson said last week, and he said, when he speaks, something in me comes alive. And that is very cool. When he speaks, something in me comes alive. And they were amazed at his teaching. And then a man who was in the synagogue, in other words, in a place like this, began to, uh, uh, there was some demonic presence in him and it began to act out. And so God, uh, Jesus just delivered him right there and then. Because the, the spirit world actually recognizes the authority of Jesus sometimes more than the, we do. And so Jesus uh, did that amazing act of deliverance. And then he goes, I've been to Capernaum, and you go to Capernaum, it's now a ruin, it's got a big Catholic church over the top of what is reputed to be Simon Peter's house, a little fishing uh, stone house. And the synagogue is just, uh, oh, if this was the synagogue here, Peter's house would be closer than the end of this hall, this gym. And Jesus went over to, to his house because uh, he had heard, he had heard that uh, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and she asked for Jesus to do something. And so Jesus came over and he bent over and rebuked the fever and it left her and she got up at once and began to wait on them. And when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. It's really important to hear this. There's nothing that says, well, he healed some or some were too bad. Well, some didn't have enough faith. All who came to him, he healed. And at daybreak, Jesus went out to the solitary place because there are lovely hills there and he went out there to spend some time alone. But the people were hungry because they had heard something in a man that they'd never heard before and they were coming alive to something they didn't even know. And they went to look for him. I want to suggest that if you want to really know Jesus and if you really want to come alive to Jesus you've got to walk out in the hills and look for him. You've got to, you've got to make an effort. You've got to you ask the Lord to give you a hunger that motivates you to look. motivates you to go out there and find him. Part of my life has been that kind of pursuit until it all fell apart and then it didn't for a while. But generally what's kept me alive is going into the hills, going into conferences, going to study, going to look, going to talk, going to experience. 
and feel like it's just begun. If you're stuck in your Christian life, if you don't even know Jesus, then I encourage you, pick yourself up and go and look. There's lots of resources, there's lots of people, but go and look. Don't just sit around waiting and saying, Oh God, show me. He won't do that. Very seldom will He do that. You say, you know, when you, you, when you go to school, when you want to get educated, you don't sit in your room saying, Lord, educate me. When you want to play a game, you don't sit in your room and say, let's play a game. You go out and you do. You don't say, Lord, please let the groceries appear. You go out and get them. The same is true with spiritual growth. Go out. Go out and look for it. Go out and say, teach me. Go out and ask questions. And He will meet you and it becomes exciting. And I pray, God, there's no one sitting here now who thinks you've got it all. And I pray, God, you also don't get stuck in the thing of I'm going to be critical of everything I see so that I never do anything other than criticize what I see. Because that's the easiest thing in the world. Be hungry enough to see the difference and then go for the food. And the food is always where Jesus is present. And the food is where Jesus is present and other people are present too. There's way too much today of isolated trying to learn on my own without relationship. And that causes highly dysfunctional behavior. We can talk about that some other time. But the the thing I want to be really constructive about is that Jesus is calling us and saying, I I have for you so much more. And so they went out and they uh, tried, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. So he went to other towns. And then following that is this this chapter in verse, uh, chapter 5 where um, Jesus is standing by the lake. This is Galilee. And there's very slope, uh, gentle slopes coming down to the water. And the people are crowding around and he's been talking to them and teaching them. No doubt that God loves and God cares and, and probably about some healing. I don't know what he was teaching about, but he was certainly saying something good. And I think the crowd were probably pressing in so much because you know what crowds do. They keep on wanting to get closer and closer and he doesn't want to walk on water today and so he thinks he better use a boat. Now he sees Simon there and he's already met Simon because he's healed Simon's mother-in-law. I won't go into the, the theological you know, implication of the fact that Simon didn't bow down to Jesus when his mother-in-law was healed. It's a joke. Um, anyway, he saw God's power at work. That's really way out there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, he, he, saw Simon's, he saw Jesus' power at work but he was still fishing. He was washing the nets and mending nets. He was right where he lived, where men live in their workplace. Jesus started in the synagogue and he moves out into every facet of life. And he's speaking to this crowd and the fishermen are working as men do. I'm busy. Got to make a living. Haven't got time. Got to fix the nets. If you want to, if you have the courage, ask God... um, about that. The busyness. But that's another story too. Anyway, they were washing their nets and they were probably listening. And Jesus then says, "Um, can I use your boat please? And he says, yes you can. And they go out a little bit and he carries on teaching. Now my, my thesis is that in most of our experiences we could live off that for quite a while. Jesus was in my boat, he did some teaching, let's go and have coffee. In other words, we're content to stay with safety, 
stay with believing that Jesus is who he claims to be and we had a great study time. I think if you read through all the God, I hope this is immensely encouraging to you and, and just gets you so hungry and so thirsty that you just go, yes. Because I think all of us secretly, deep down, deep, deep, deep somewhere, want more than this book. This book talks about what God does when he's present. And I think we're all starving for saying, well, let's bring it on then. Well, I am anyway. And he says uh, to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. You know the story, most of you will. Peter gets into, uh, Jesus gets into Simon's boat. That's where Simon has had a living all his life. He gets into the place of Simon's expertise, where Simon is most confident. And he's a carpenter's son from Nazareth. No water around Nazareth. He's in front of this whole crowd and he says, um, let's go out in the deep and catch some fish. Do you know how counterintuitive that is, how stupid that is, how irrational that is? You don't catch fish in Galilee during the daytime. That's why they go out and fish at night. They still do. They fish at night because the fish come into the shallows at night and they go into the deep during the day. So even Jesus sort of saying go into the deep wouldn't have been very far away. Nothing in their experience would have said you don't fish it during the day. Everyone knows that. When you next say that we know how God works, remember the story. It was totally irrational. It was totally counterintuitive. It was against their whole experience and expertise. And Simon says, Well, Master, we've worked all night. We haven't caught anything. Makes it even worse. But because you say so, I will. And they go out and they catch the biggest catch of fish they probably have ever caught. So much so that their boats nearly sink. And I wonder what Jesus was doing. Do you think he was sitting like one of those sort of stained glass figures on the in the bow? Think, nice fish, boys. I don't think so. I think he was, I think he was helping them with the nets and pulling it in. And I think they were giving each other high five. And they were stunned and excited. And they called the others and said, James and John, come and help us with this. And they pulled this whole load to the, to, the, um, to the shore and the crowds must have been buzzing with excitement because they were all familiar it's a whole fishing coastline saying they have just caught this most of, this guy who has just spoken look what he's done and Simon Peter saw this and he fell a fisherman no, no weak man, a fisherman, very strong, fell in his boat at the feet of Jesus and said, Depart from me. I, 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 don't, I can't comprehend this. This is too big for me. This is way out of my level. 
And he was terrified and he said, I'm sinful. I'm not worthy of being here. You want a picture of worship? The bottom of a fishing boat. The feet of Jesus. And he's just filled that boat with fish when you couldn't catch them yourself. And they were all astonished. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on you'll catch man, now come and follow me. And they left everything and followed him. Because their hearts had been touched. And it would take them three and a half years probably for their minds to catch up. As they followed Jesus and again and again and again he shattered their illusions and he shattered their preconceptions and he he did what they didn't make sense to them. But he healed sick people and he loved the poor and he showed a compassion and the heart of God that just absolutely intoxicated them. Until they went to the cross and they all fled because they said, I can't deal with that. And he came back to that same shore of Galilee to Simon Peter who this time jumped out of a boat that they just caught fish in and he said, feed my sheep. God wants our hearts. And God and Jesus want to fill boats far more, far more, far more than we understand. Jesus wants to fill your boat. And believe me, I I was there for a long time, very, very angry at God because He wasn't caring and He wasn't there for me and He had abandoned me. Until I came to the place where Jesus came to me almost like the older brother and he said, you know, all I have is yours. I'm saying yes to you. I think the key to growth in this valley, the key to our own Christian growth is humbling ourselves and really letting God be God more in our lives. Which means, quite simply, Lord, here is my heart. Quite simply, surrendering your mind. You and I have no clue how God ticks. He sent Jesus to give us some inkling and Jesus didn't come to give us a formula. He came to build a relationship. And many of us are stuck because we're trying to work it out rather than walk alongside and be walked alongside. Paul said in Romans 10, The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Our heart is the place where there is passion. Our heart is the place where there is life. Our heart is the place where there is truth and conviction. Our heart is the place where life changes and God's Spirit comes and where healing will flow from. Heart to heart. And Jesus, I believe, stands before each one of us this morning with incredible delight and incredible love. And just with Simon, he says to you, 
wherever it is counterintuitive for you to go and it'll be different for different people he says will you go out there with me I want to show you my supernatural power I don't know what that means for each of us but I know it's what he wants and that's what will blow the, the roof off any Christian community because it will just spill out can you imagine the testimony that comes out of an experience of catching fish when you don't catch fish healing the sick isn't that cool? but you're not going to get there merely with your head and some of us are sitting here blaming God and he's just going to wait until we eventually humble ourselves or we are broken and I pray that we'll hear him saying I am here for you I want to share with you a testimony um, from a young girl who was in Bethel who just was um, such fun just incredible fun to watch and uh, so I need this uh, please I'll just set it up while you, you're waiting um, she must be 24 I don't know uh, but she's going to speak for about 15 minutes and just tell us how how Jesus touched her and she asks two questions and we'll maybe we'll, we'll just listen and then we'll uh, complete this and go into a worship are we ready? yeah enjoy One of the most important things that I've had over the late 90s in my life was, um, it was in a season right before I actually started to step into my destiny more and to step into um, the, the call of worship on my life. I was in a season where I was just really trying to sort out who I was and, you know, what I was doing with my life and where I was going and um, it's kind of a, a dark season for me and by dark I just mean I was just I felt really hidden and I felt like I was struggling through the same issues that everybody deals with, you know, insecurities and you know do I have what it takes to do this and to do that and can I really fulfill my dreams and this one weekend I I've been gone out of town all weekend and it was a really rough weekend for me. And um, I came back in the town, and um, I, I pulled right up to the church. It was a Sunday night, and Anthony Skinner was leading worship that night. And the moment I walked into the building, I just felt God's presence so thick. And it was just a, it wasn't a conference, it was just a regular Sunday night. And um, I just, worship had already started, and it just started. And I just immediately then began to just cry and cry because His presence was so thick. And um, I walked up to the front and I was just standing there just crying and I had my eyes closed and I just felt so weak and I just kind of felt like I hit this point where I finally just let go and just surrendered and I was just like, this is a rough season and I, I am just tired of fighting, I'm tired of trying to sort things out and I just want you know, God to see God and be sovereign over my life and just help me. <laughs> That's the kind of point I got to help me. And um, all of a sudden I went into this um, vision where I was standing in a room and I could hear singing and I saw Jesus and Jesus was singing. 
but it sounded like Anthony Skinner. And the crazy thing is, I wasn't, like, I, I felt like I wasn't even in the sanctuary anymore, and I couldn't, I couldn't hear anybody around me, I couldn't feel or sense the people around me, but I could see Jesus, and I'm hearing him singing, and I'm seeing his mouth move, but it's, you know, something like Anthony Skinner. And, um, Jesus is walking with me closer and closer to me, and I started feeling a little bit scared, like, I don't know if this is okay. I mean, what if he gets, I mean, what's going to happen? He's going to get very close to me, and just really not like, like unworthy, or just not knowing how desperately he wants to just love me and be close to me. And um, as we're getting closer and closer, my heart is racing, and he finally gets right up to me, and he just grabs me, and he just hugs me, and holds me, and I can just collapse in his arms, just bawling and bawling, and he's just singing and singing and singing over me. And as he's doing that, I could see the, the, the music, the song, I could see it coming out of him. It was a tangible uh, light, a kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but it's a light. And it's coming out of him as he's singing, and it's just wrapping around him. And as that's happening, I can just feel these things just breaking off of me. It just felt like a breakthrough. It just felt like all the things that held me down, all the things that get in the way, all the things that were making me feel insecure were just breaking off. And um, then uh, all of a sudden I had these two questions in my mind. And I wanted to ask Jesus these two questions. And I felt, I felt afraid and I felt embarrassed and I felt, I just felt afraid to ask these questions. And um, suddenly I hear in the natural, I hear Anthony say over the microphone, I want you guys to ask Jesus two questions. And I'm like, is this real? Is this really happening? And I'm, I feel like I'm kind of in this weird place where I'm in this vision, but at the same time, now I'm listening to what's actually happening in the natural, in the sanctuary. And I'm thinking, this cannot be happening. And Anthony said out loud the two questions that I was thinking in my head, it's word for word. He says, I want you to ask Jesus, what were you thinking when you created me? And how much do you love me? And those were the two questions that were just running through my head the whole time. There was things going on. And I just started bawling and I was trembling. I was just shaking and trembling because I couldn't believe that this was happening. It was like someone just read my mind and out loud on the microphone just spoke out to the whole sanctuary. What I was thinking in my head, it was the weirdest thing. And um, so I, I felt a little bit great. I finally worked up the coach and I asked him, how much do you love me? And I saw him just stretch out his arms, and they just kept stretching and stretching, like that stretch Armstrong doll. I don't know if you know that. You know the stretch Armstrong doll? It just like stretches forever. It's just like that. Just stretch forever. Couldn't really see where it ended. And he just started laughing. And he said, I love you this much. And they just go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And to me, like, even just the way he spoke to me, the way that I saw him being like stretch Armstrong and he was laughing, like that's just like how I am. Like it's like he spoke to me in a way that was fitting for me. And he answered that question in a way that was fitting for me. And um, I was crying and laughing and I was so happy. And in that moment I was so happy that I thought, I don't want to ask those questions. It just felt like this is good enough for me right now. I'm a little bit nervous about that other one. I'll just I'll just hold off I'll hold off on that. And then, weeks later, um, I'm going to the prayer house every morning about sunrise, and I'm just kind of going through the routine. Like, I'm going, I'm being faithful. I go in the morning, 
living my life and I'm, you know, doing all the things that I know to do to try and be close to God. Never really having some great experience or some vision. I'm just hoping any moment now something's going to happen and every day is just kind of the same, just being faithful. And this one morning, I do the same thing every morning. I come in, I open my Bible, I begin to read, and all of a sudden, I it just, I don't know how to, um, just like in my mind's eye, I could see Jesus walking into the prayer room. And I, I could feel it, and just, you know, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. You could just feel it tingle, like, oh my gosh. He just walked in the room, and my out of my back was where I could feel him walking. And I feel him like walking up to me closer, and I'm like, oh! And it's that like holy fear where you're like, oh, what do I do? Do I just get down? Do I do I hide? Do I do I just jump and hug him? Do I you know? All these things are running through my mind, and I feel him walk right up next to me, and I'm just trembling, and I I I to say, I want you to come away with me, and I'm like, now. And, and he says, come away with me. And he's like, I want you to ask me that question. And I'm like, the question that I wanted to ask you, you would go and I, I, I didn't ask you, so please ask me that question. Like, no, I'm too scared to ask you that question. Please ask me that question. And I felt like he was like begging me, like, please ask me that question. And finally, when I just could not take it anymore, I just kind of fell on the floor and I just was a bawling mess again. And immediately, the moment I knew the floor, I was gone. And I was in heaven with Jesus and was standing there. And Jesus standing next to me. And I see God the Father and he's standing at the table. And Jesus And God the Father is at the table and I see him reach into his heart and rip out a chunk of his heart and suddenly was like clay. And he puts it on the table and he starts like forming it and all this stuff. And um, all of a sudden he shapes me. And you gotta remember the question was, what were you thinking when you created this? So he's answering that now. So it's me. And he's just looking at it and he's like all happy, he's holding me in his hand. And um, he gets this like a like a jewelry box kind of and puts me in the jewelry box. And um, it's like those ones where when you open it and there'd be like a little ballerina that would spin around and there'd be music playing. And it's like that. And you have me on the table and you open it and I would start dancing and singing and worshiping him. And he'd be like, yes! And he'd be like so excited. He'd be so, just run and he'd close it. And he'd open it and go, woo! And he'd like spin around and he'd dance and he'd stop him and he'd close it. And he'd do it again. And he'd just start doing that. And every time he'd open it, he was just like, so thrilled and excited and just jumping and dancing and just be like, whoa, whoa. and he just his heart was just like, oh, you know, just so excited and um, and then Jesus says, he gets so excited when you worship him. He just loves that. He gets so excited and I'm just like, and I'm just crying all the time. I'm watching, just watching this and um, all of a sudden he picks me up out of the box and puts me in the palm of his hand and I'm just really little in his hand and just sitting there. And all of a sudden, I transferred from where I was standing with Jesus into God the Father's hand. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at him, and he's pulling me like closer and closer and closer to him like this. And I'm getting really kind of nervous, like he's getting really close. And I see his heart, and I see something like on his heart, and I can't really tell where it is. I'm getting closer and closer, trying to look. And there's a, a, a mole from the chunk where he ripped out a piece of his heart. As I get up closer, I get pressed into it and I fit perfectly. It's just this perfect mold of 
of me, where I fit perfectly. And I just felt so safe and so warm. And he said, this is where I made you from, and this is where you belong, and this is where you stay. This is where I keep you. I keep you right here, close to my heart. And he's telling me, this is what I was thinking I created you. I was thinking about how happy you make me, and how happy I am when you worship me. I love it when you worship me. I love the way you worship me. And I love how you dance, and I love how you story. And he said, I even think you're funny. And I started laughing at the thought that he would think I'm funny, which was hysterical. Then I'm just laying there, just, I think, just, Pouring this love and affirmation into me. That was like, that was the moment where I finally believed he really does love me. He really is in love with me. He really is crazy about me. He, he like made me special for him and he's happy with me and he's pleased with me. And like from that point on, that, that's when I really started getting my breakthrough in the week, where like that set me on my journey. In, in worship and setting the standards of uh, He loves me and this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do and this is this is my destiny just to love Him and let Him love me and that was like kind of started the whole thing. So. How much do you love me and what were you thinking when you created me? This isn't a testimony of somebody that we need to look on and go, I wish that were me. That's somebody whom Jesus says, yes, that is you. So she spent some time going, they've got a prayer room there and she just said, I went through what was obedient, I spent time and in that time I met with the Lord and He changed my heart. It's not that complicated. And that's why I believe with all my heart that Jesus is saying the same to you and to me this morning. He just says, I can, I can give you that. I can give you that kind of uh, intimacy with me, that kind of knowing that I absolutely delight in you. And I would just maybe invite you to, to ask him the question, how much do you love me and what did you have in mind when I was made? Many of us are so wounded that we can't believe anything is possible. I don't know where your heart is, you know. You know when you last felt it beat or it hasn't beaten for a long, long time. I do know that your heart is like the fishing boat. I do know Jesus is saying, can I get in? And the very cool thing about Jesus is that he comes right to where we are and then he says, together we'll go to those other places. And so all we need to do is what Simon Peter said is, well, I've tried before, but I've been fishing all night, I've asked you 15 times, but whatever it is, as long as in the end it's yes, I guess so. And then see what happens. And out of that will come a transformed life. Because I don't know about you, my one prayer has always been, Lord, I don't want to fake this stuff. I can't stand it, it's death. 
So wherever we are, Father, I pray that you will give us the courage, the hunger, the desperation, the curiosity to say, please get in my boat. Maybe you got in once and you got out. I dropped you off somewhere along the way. Maybe I've been doing the fishing and you just sit there quietly and I say, well, Jesus is in my boat, but Jesus hasn't had a chance to touch anything for a long, long time. So, Lord, we, we want to give you permission to take us where we've never been in order that we might be what we've never been, alive to you in new ways. May the power of your Spirit bring life to this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now.